Hello and welcome to episode 698 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you this morning. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on Monday, October 30th, 2023. In the year of our Lord Jesus Christ, let us begin with St. Alphonsus Liguri's Monday prayer to the Most Blessed Virgin Mary to obtain holy perseverance. O Queen of Heaven, I, who was once a miserable slave of Lucifer, now dedicate myself to thee to be thy servant forever. I offer myself to honor thee and serve thee during my whole life. Do thou accept me and refuse me not as I should deserve. O my mother, in thee have I placed all my hopes. From thee do I expect every grace. I bless and thank God, who in his mercy has given me this confidence in thee, which I consider a pledge of my salvation. Alas, miserable wretch that I am, I have hitherto fallen, because I have not had recourse to thee. I now hope that, through the merits of Jesus Christ and thy prayers, I have obtained pardon. But I may again lose divine grace. The danger is not past. My enemies do not sleep. How many new temptations have I still to conquer? Ah, my most sweet lady, protect me, and permit me not again to become their slave. Help me at all times. I know that thou wilt help me and that with thy help I shall conquer, if I recommend myself to thee. But this is what I fear. I fear that in time of danger I may neglect to call upon thee, and thus be lost. I ask thee then for this grace. Obtain that in the assaults of hell I may always have recourse to thee, saying, Mary, help me. My mother, permit me not to lose my God. Decided to delve into a topic that has been in the news a lot recently with all the goings-on in Palestine, uh, specifically the Gaza Strip, and the unquestioned, unwavering support that many in the United States, be they uh, Jews, Protestants, and even some Catholics, have for the state of Israel. This is perplexing to a lot of people, but not so perplexing when we begin to understand the history of this. So that's what we're going to get into over the course of the next few days. We return to the indispensable fisheaters.com website. And the title of this entry is Dispensationalism, Israel, and the Church. The author begins by saying, there are millions who see Eretz, that's E-R-E-T-Z, I believe that means the land of when I was looking it up, or loosely translated. So there are millions who see the land of Israel, or the political state known as, quote, Israel, as a veritable sacred cow that must be supported at any cost, even at the cost of human life, peace, and the security of their own country. People who claim to be Christian are even collaborating with plans to rebuild the third temple. There have already been three, actually, if one counts Herod's rebuilding of the second temple, in Jerusalem, and restore animal sacrifices, all with no qualms about the mosque that is there and the human carnage that would ensue after tearing it down, and not realizing apparently that what they're doing is a direct insult to Christ's sacrifice. And that's where a lot of the controversy that's erupted recently, of course, this has been going on for many decades, but when... uh, Hamas attacked Israelis. They called it the Al-Aqsa Flood because they were enraged about the attacks 
by various Jews against Muslims that was happening at the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is uh, built at the site of where the, the temple was. The author continues, This phenomenon springs from a theology called dispensationalism, the idea that God has one plan for, quote, ethnic Jews and another plan for the church. The view of history held by adherents of this theology is some variation of the following. God promises Jewish people an earthly kingdom to be ruled by Messiah. The Messiah comes to offer Jews their earthly kingdom that would establish Jewish law throughout the land, but Jews reject him, so the promise is postponed. But the church develops an unforeseen consequence of the Messiah's coming, and the church age, or the parenthesis period, as far as God's plan for Israel goes, begins, i.e. the parenthesis is the pause in God's real plan, which is for ethnic Jews. At some point, out of the clear blue, with no warnings, the Christ will come to rapture up the church. The rapture will be followed by the tribulation and appearance of the Antichrist. Then 144,000 Jews preach the gospel. After things heat up, the battle of Armageddon will occur. Christ will come a third time, which will bring on an instant conversion of all Israel. God will set up his millennial kingdom and bind Satan. For ethnic Jews, this kingdom will be on earth, in the natural order, and with the restoration of temple sacrifices. For the church, its members, and the resurrected saints go to the heavenly Jerusalem, suspended over the earthly city. Satan is loosed for a season, and a revolt by some will follow. Christ comes again, a fourth time, for the final judgment, more resurrections, and a new heaven, and a new earth. There are so many problems, out-and-out heresies, involved with this mode of thought that it's hard to know where to begin. The theological and political implications of believing that a certain ethnic group, a literal matter of either DNA or socialization such that one grows up calling oneself a Jew, has been chosen by God to the exclusion of other human beings, are simply morally revolting and dangerous to the goal of peace. Obviously, God entered into history and did so through the Hebrews, but this covenant was not only an honor, but a moral obligation, and one which, I will show, was open to all human beings. It had to begin somewhere, but it was not restricted to its familial origins. Families were and are now an integral part of the covenants as children are included in the covenantal promises. See Genesis 17, 7 through 13, and Acts 2, 38 and 39, which help explain why the Hebrews circumcised and Catholics, Orthodox, baptized their children. But a child who is part of these covenants can grow up to leave it. Let's start, though, with the idea that the Messiah came, offered to the Jews an earthly kingdom, but was killed by them instead. Jesus said in John 18, 36, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. And in the second parable of Matthew 25, 34, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. His kingdom is not an earthly one. It is spiritual. 
and it has been thus from the foundations of the world. To say that Christ came to offer the genetic Jews an earthly kingdom, which they refused, is not only racist, but it is to call our Lord a failure and a liar. He did not come to set up an earthly kingdom. He came to redeem us with his passion and blood. Just before his crucifixion, he said in John 12, 25 through 27, He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, but what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. In other words, but that is the very reason why I came. That some Jews misunderstood the nature of the kingdom as revealed by the ancient prophets is made clear by Paul in Acts 13.27. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. Some of the Jews, like Peter, Paul, Matthew, Stephen, etc., the remnant understood, said yes to Christ and remained as Israel. Others rejected him. Matthew 21, 33 through 46. Here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. When the Lord, therefore, the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? They say unto him, He will miserably destroy those wicked men, and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read in the scriptures, the stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. And when the chief priests and Pharisees had heard his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. Apparently, however, many Christians today can't read plain scripture. The church is Israel. How much more clear does Paul have to be to show that the church is Israel, the very seed of Abraham? Galatians 3, 7 through 29. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. 
and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith, and the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul, that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid, for if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. God's covenants never were and are not now based on race to the exclusion of those who are not biologically descended from Abraham. From the very first book of sacred scripture, when God made a covenant with Abraham, there were included people who were not the literal physical descendants of Abraham. Exodus 12.48 reads, and when a stranger, i.e. a non-Hebrew, shall sojourn with thee and will keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised and then let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as one that is born in the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. Though proselytizing the nations was not the goal of Old Testament Israel, all were welcome to the covenant, as all are welcome to Christ today. In fact, at the time of Christ, 
corrupted Judaism was a proselytizing religion as a matter of historical fact, though not as a part of the intrinsic nature of the Old Covenant. And there's a note here that says, for evidence that Judaism was a proselytizing religion, see the writings of Cicero, Horace, Juvenal, Seneca, Tacitus, Josephus, Epictetus, Dio Cassius, and the New Testament, for example, Matthew 23, 15. More evidence of Jewish proselytism are the existence of the Ethiopian Jews, the conversion of the Khazar kingdom, the forced conversions of the Idumeans conquered by the Jewish Maccabean kings, and of slaves owned by Jews. And rabbinical writings that indicate Marcus Aurelius and Nero were converts to Judaism. Other prominent converts include Papea, the second wife of Nero, Aquila of Pontus, Consul Flavius Clemens, nephew of Roman Emperor Vespasian and his wife, Domatilla, the cousin of Titus, King Manabas of Abiabana, his wife Helena, and King Du Nuas of Yemen. In the Roman Empire, proselytism was such a huge phenomenon that Septimus Severus issued an edict forbidding conversion of Gentiles to Judaism. To continue from the main text, the literal bloodline of Abraham was important for the hereditary Aaronic priesthood and for prophetic reasons, the prophecies of the Messiah. This is why all those boring Old Testament lists of begats are so important. After Christ came, he spoke over and over of those who claim to be Jews but are not. Revelation 2.9 I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not but are the synagogue of Satan. Revelation 3.9 Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Foreshadowing the new covenant, John the Baptist, too, said that the children of Abraham are not necessarily genetic descendants. Matthew 3.7 but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits, meet for repentance, and think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. What does St. Paul say? about the fleshly sons of Abraham versus those sons of the promise of Abraham. Galatians 4, 21 through 31. Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. Which things are an allegory? For these are the two covenants the one from the Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath a husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. 
But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him, that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Those self-proclaimed sons of Abraham were the same ones whose temple was destroyed by his judgment in 70 AD. The truth, then, is the same as it is now. Jesus Christ, prefigured in the Old Testament, and predicted by the prophets, is Lord. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Romans 11, 16-21 If the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, wert grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Branches were grafted in, branches were broken off, but the tree remains the same tree, and the root is Christ. Isaiah 11.1 1, and 10-12 through 12. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. And that day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him. And his place of rest will be glorious. And that day the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the remnant that is left of his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. He will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of the earth. And how do those broken off branches get grafted on again? Romans eleven twenty three, And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again the same way as anyone else. Nonetheless, a good number of Protestant groups have come to believe that God has one plan for genetic Jews and another for Christians, thus denying some of the basic tenets of the Christian faith, the inefficacy of the Old Testament sacrifices, though they point forward to the new covenant, and the necessity of Christ's sacrifice for salvation. If Jeremiah 31 31 through 34 isn't clear enough, I don't know what is. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. Although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. 
one more time. Who is this new covenant with? Israel. Jews may be grafted in again in the same way Gentiles are grafted into the tree of spiritual Israel. Repentance, faith, and baptism. The politics of this heretical theology. I have just now, as I am writing this, finished listening to a real audio file of Gershon Salomon, founder of the group Temple Mount Faithful, whose mission is to rebuild the third temple, quote unquote, in Jerusalem, i.e. to rebuild the mother of all harlots. And hyperlinks are given to Apocalypse, the Whore of Babylon, the Beast, and the Rapture. In the recording, he is pleading in a mournful voice for us Christians to assist in the rebuilding of the, quote, third temple. Here's a direct quote. Please be with Israel in this exciting time. This is a test, not only for Israel, but for all the world. When you will be today with Israel, when you will be today with the Temple Mount faithful movement in our struggle, in our campaign to rebuild the house of God, you will be with God. You will be redeemed together with Israel, end quote. Christians are spiritual Israel, so can't be redeemed together with Israel. And Christians are redeemed by the blood of Christ. Any animal sacrifices that are reinstituted there will do us no good and will amount to slapping the Lord Jesus Christ in his face. God himself, through the Roman armies, tore that temple down in 70 AD. Why in the name of all that is holy would a Christian want to help rebuild it? What would Jesus say to his apostles if they were together in the flesh now on earth? Would he say, yes, go forth and kill the Muslims that are there, starting a world war in the process. Rebuild the temple that I warned would be destroyed and that I, in fact, did destroy. Reinstitute animal sacrifices, for they have always had redemptive power. I lied when I was here the first time. My kingdom really is of this world. And even if all that were true... Do you believe God expects Christians to cooperate with evil in order to facilitate his return? Since when do the ends justify the means? Since when do Christians do evil so that good might come of it? This is sheer and utter madness. And while the Protestant Zionists, so courted by Gershon Salomon, bow down to the idol of Eretz Israel, the security of my country, the United States of America, and of the entire world, is being threatened by their Eretz Israel can do no wrong approach to international politics. I will not sit silently while they mock God and his scriptures and threaten my country. No, the insanity of dispensationalism must end. And I can just say that I agree with the author of this article a thousand percent. The next section is, what does the Torah say? I will let self-described Torah-true Orthodox rabbis speak for themselves from Natura Carta. And we get a footnote on that Torah-true phrase. While these Orthodox rabbis rightfully reject Zionism based on their interpretation of sacred scripture, they still accept the Antichrist Talmud as, quote, sacred. So we're not truly, quote, Torah-true. So this is the quote from an Orthodox rabbi. Today, unfortunately, there are many Jews who, through no fault of their own, are ignorant of and fail to practice the basics of their faith. 
This is a great tragedy for many reasons. Perhaps paramount among them is the falsification of Judaism that results when those unaware of its basic assumptions speak to the general public. It behooves all Jews loyal to their faith to proclaim to the world the truths of Judaism in as lucid a manner as possible. We are opposed to the ideology of Zionism, a recent innovation which seeks to force the end of exile. Our banishment from the Holy Land will end miraculously at a time when all mankind will unite in the brotherly service of the Creator. In addition to condemning the central heresy of Zionism, we also reject its policy of aggression against all peoples. Today, this cruelty manifests itself primarily in the brutal treatment of the Palestinian people. We proclaim that this inhuman policy is in violation of the Torah. End quote. Next section is, but God promised land to the Israelites. And he delivered on those promises. Joshua 21, 43 through 45. And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he sware to give unto their fathers, and they possessed it and dwelt therein. And the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that he sware unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. 1 Kings 8.56 Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto his people Israel according to all that he promised. There hath not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses his servant. Nehemiah 9, 7 and 8. Thou art the Lord, the God, who didst choose Abram, and broughtest him forth out of Ur of the Chaldees, and gavest him the name of Abraham, and foundest his heart faithful before thee, and madest a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Jebusites, and the Girgashites. To give it, I say, to his seed, and hast performed thy words, for thou art righteous. God already gave the land to the Israelites, but their keeping it was a matter of their obedience. Deuteronomy 28, 58, and then portions through 64. If thou wilt not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, the Lord shall scatter thee among all people, from the one end of the earth even unto the other. And there thou shalt serve other gods, which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, even wood and stone. They failed. They, not God, broke the covenant. Once again, see Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day, that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband to them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. The covenant which brought blessings through obedience brings curses through disobedience. And they broke it, as clearly revealed in those verses from Jeremiah. 
An analogy is marriage, which to the church is a permanent covenant bond, completely irrevocable. A wife who commits adultery doesn't bring about the end of that marriage. She merely puts herself in the position of breaking its terms and suffering the curses that go along with violating the terms of a covenant in such a way. The marriage still exists, though she won't experience its blessings. It is the same situation with modern Judaism. Jews were and are called to be faithful to their covenant, which is fulfilled in Christ Jesus. Infidelity to Christ is infidelity to their irrevocable covenant. God's kingdom, as shown before, is a heavenly one. The Old Testament physical land, promised and delivered by God, lost by the disobedient Israelites, was but a shadow of much greater things. The heavenly Jerusalem, the kingdom of God, that we are to reflect here on earth in our social order by recognizing Christ as king. The next section is, but the return of the Jews to Palestine is so miraculous. The very existence of the Jews is miraculous. I've heard some say that the very existence of the Jews, with their language and culture preserved even during the diaspora, is proof that they're God's chosen people. But by this test, the Ram, the gypsies, are just as miraculous. From Russia to the United States, to Spain, to Canada, to Mexico, to India, to Australia, and throughout the centuries marked by expulsions, persecutions, and Nazi concentration camps, the Ram have spoken the same language, kept their own court systems, and preserved their ancient complex customs, which are, by the way, quite similar to that of the Jews in many ways, even down to their purity laws and concept of marame. Even now, in the America of, this was written back in 2005, many Ram parents arranged their daughters' marriages, complete with bride prices right in big places like New York City or Los Angeles. The return of Jews to Palestine? No miracle of God, but the fruits of Lionel Rothschild's arrangements with England's Lord Balfour, an arrangement ultimately paid for by the blood of German-Jewish innocents sold out by their Zionist leaders. Might the return of Palestine to Jewish hands be a sign nonetheless? Of course, but the ethnic cleansing of the Palestinian people is an evil that no Christian can wish for or assist in bringing about. God, though, can use evil for good, and what he might do in the future if a remnant of physical Israel is saved, as many church fathers predict and as St. Paul seems to intimate, is up to him and him alone. Meanwhile, we must carry on as Christians, resist evil, even if good may come from it, and preach the gospel to all men. The next section, but isn't this anti-Semitic? If it's, quote, anti-Semitic to say that God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, and of all that is visible and invisible, isn't concerned with ethnic groups, qua ethnic groups, and doesn't condone genocide, the stealing of lands from the innocent, and reinstituting animal sacrifices after his son gave us the ultimate sacrifice, then so be it. All are welcome to the Father through the Son, red and yellow, black and white, as the song goes, Hebrews or Italians, Arabs or Koreans, Africans or Native Americans, God loves us all. Amen. To see a group of people because of their DNA as more specially beloved by God is racist against everyone else. Enough of that nonsense. And a, another footnote was given here um, pertaining to Arabs. It says Arabs are also, quote, Semites.
and to be extra clear that the easy charge of anti-Semitism has nothing to do with this page. Catholics worship a Semite. And the final, final footnote says, Jesus also has Gentile roots too. As a quick glance at his genealogy will show, his forebears include, for example, Tamar, a Gentile Canaanite prostitute, Rahab, another Gentile prostitute, Ruth, a Moabite, Bathsheba, who may have been Gentile, etc. And it's also my understanding that approximately 90% of Jews are uh, Ashkenazi, who are not a Semitic people. So the phrase doesn't even make much sense. But the church's teaching, um, this Professor E. Michael Jones has elucidated quite well, is secret Judeos known. That is, Jews must not be physically harmed, but at the same time, uh, any group, Jew or otherwise, cannot be allowed to undermine the culture through immorality. And the final section here is Protestant longing for tradition. I find it rather sad that so many Protestants are running around in prayer shawls, throwing Hebrew words about and clinging on to the Jewish people as an identity group. They're longing for the ancient, the mysterious, the beautiful. They're longing for tradition. And they're doing so while overlooking, some while even hating, the most mysterious, beautiful, and ancient repository of tradition on earth, Christ's church. If you want richer liturgy, if you want devotions that have been practiced for millennia, go traditional Catholic and stop the silliness. If you believe in Christ, then enter into the church he set up on the rock of Peter and stop aiding and abetting those who hate him. So ends the article. This is very important to understand because you see many Protestants, not just Protestants, you know, Joe Biden himself, who is a Catholic, but certainly a Catholic who is not in good standing because he rejects so much church teaching, has refers to himself as a Zionist. And you hear many congressmen and congresswomen, including the new Speaker of the House, talk about how they're just so dedicated to helping Israel. And it's all as a result of a misunderstanding of sacred scripture. In sacred scripture, Israel is not the physical state of Israel that came about in 1948. Israel is the church, the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. So all of these people who call themselves Zionists need to reject that nonsense and either become Catholic or return to the Catholic faith that they were baptized into because that's what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ wants them to do. Let us conclude, friends, by mentioning Helping Autism through Learning and Outreach available on the web at halo-soma.org. Also, please tune into episodes 277 and 548 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. Those episodes pertain to RPM, Rapid Prompting Method, a system of communication for non-speakers. Before my niece was about eight years old, we didn't even know her favorite color. Now we know she's a comprehensive genius, and this is because of RPM, Rapid Prompting Method, just like Sign language was a revolutionary breakthrough 
for the deaf, so rapid prompting method has become a revolutionary breakthrough for non-speakers. You can imagine how frustrated you would be if you were unable to communicate. You're in a prison of silence all day long. People have to guess at what you want, what you need. Deeply, deeply disconcerting to say the least. That's where my niece was. Now we know that she's a gifted poet, very skilled in regards to mathematics. She composes music. She knows foreign languages, all because of God's grace, her hard work, that of her family, dedicated group of friends. It's absolutely wonderful what RPM has done in her life. And hopefully it will do the same in the lives of many, many more people. But we need to get the word out there. Please do your part and may God richly bless you for it. Thank you so much for listening to the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. And please tune in again tomorrow. Goodbye and God love you.